with us, ready to sing, worship with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. I have a scripture to read us to get started this morning. And this is from Ezekiel chapter 34. It says, I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the chains of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I hope that encourages you this morning. And I hope you are prepared to sing to the chain-breaking God this morning. Together, let's stand and sing together. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, neutral trying to
may be seated. Let's continue singing. I invite you to raise a hallelujah this morning with us.
watched his testimony. Hello, my beautiful church family. This is Mackenzie here. I am just excited to talk to you and share with you. You might remember from about 45 days ago, uh, Pastor Brian gave us the 90-day challenge and just challenging ourselves and encouraging ourselves to really tithe the way that God wants us to tithe. Um, a lot of you know my journey and being a single mom and, and raising Haven um, as best I can. And it's be tempting. It would be tempting to not tithe as much or not at all. And I had just seen him, seen God just blessing me so much. And so I decided to take the 90-day challenge to just give it my all, to let go of the old way that I was tithing, and to just be all in, all in for God and giving the whole 10% in the way that He meant it to be, the way He means it to be. In the 45 days, actually within the last couple weeks, I was worrying about finances, um, trying not to stress out, just being like, God, I need a little extra little something. And literally last Tuesday, I got a phone call and just helping me with a little extra something in the mornings, um, helping another family with their precious girls to school. And um, it's, it's a great way for Haven and I just to love on these girls and, and love on this family and helping them out while also um, them just getting to financially bless us at the same time. And so I'm just, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for how he just continues to make a way. God is um, taking great care of us and he reminds me of that all the time. And so I just encourage you that if you haven't started the 90 day challenge uh, for your blessings, your blessings might look different, but I just encourage you that, that he will bless you and just the, the, the worship of giving that you give to him and to just step out on faith. It's not too late to start the challenge if that's something that's been on your heart and you feel that you've missed the boat, if you will. And I'm just a step of faith where I'm a person who just worries about day in, day out or weeks to the final numbers. Um, it's cool when he surprises you with things that you would have never thought possible. How awesome is it that we have a God we can rely on? Yeah? He's a promise keeper. He never, not once, has broken a promise. Not once. It's awesome. He turns things around that look impossible. And he just does all these little things every day in each of our lives. This room is filled with ways that he makes for us to walk. We need to acknowledge him in that and trust him and believe in him. He's good. He's really good. I had a hard week, but he is good. And I didn't know I was going to do that. Sorry. <laughs> but he is a good God for blessing us. And so we're going to thank him right now. And whatever you're going through, he's there, and he's going to keep his promises, and he's going to make a way. 
we're going to sing about that, but we want to thank you first. So, Jesus, we thank you for being here. And there are a lot of people here, and there's a lot of stories, a lot of testimonies. Father, you know every one of them, and you know that we're in here. We trust you. Your word is perfect, and it has been made for us to rely on. So we thank you for it. We thank you for going before us, and we thank you for meeting us here. So let us check our baggage at the door today. And let us rely on you because you are our way maker. And we thank you, Jesus, for meeting us here. So flow in this room freely, Jesus. Take us and use us. And then just fill us up with your spirit, Jesus. We love you with all our hearts and we give this to you now. And hear our prayers. In Jesus' name.
worship you. You are the great I am. You are the God of all comfort, the Alpha and the Omega. I worship you this morning. You are the God who sees me. You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. Our Prince of Peace and our mighty God. All of these things, Jesus. You are high and lifted up. We love you, Jesus. All things have passed away. Your love remains the same. Your constant
continuation of this expression. Would you just take some time with your own words, out of your own circumstances, it's just it's you and Jesus for a couple moments here. Talk to him. He knows you. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows where, where you're at in your spiritual journey. He knows the things that are maybe burying you in life. There's freedom that he wants to bring you today. And I just want to invite you for a few moments to just quietly and be praying in whatever it's you and Jesus right now. as we dwell in your presence today. We acknowledge our need for you. We acknowledge that you are God and we are not. You are sovereign and we are not. We are desperate to experience your grace and your mercy, your power released in our lives, in our circumstances, in our stuff. I know that some of us in this space, in, in earshot of my voice, are, are dealing with some tough things, some things that are beyond our control. Some of us are, are trying to dig out of spiritual and emotional holes. Maybe that we've dug ourselves, but oftentimes it's just other people have thrown us into those places. And we declare our need for you, that you will reach your hand down, into our muck and mire and pull us out. Your grace and your mercy will extend like a, like a rope that we can get out of this funk. Others of us in this space have been experiencing great days days of victory and we and and when we sang that song earlier victory in Jesus it was just a a continuation of of praise from our reality and then others of us are somewhere in in between those two extremes and what's amazing about you is that you know us intimately you you know everything about us, everything that is going on, everything that has happened, 
even everything that is going to happen. You are the sovereign, living, creating, and sustaining eternal God of all the universe. And we call on your name today by faith. We praise your name regardless of where we have been. And you inhabit the praise of your people. We are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves before you today. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. And we, and, and, and on behalf of our leaders, of, of, of our president and our government and, and our governor and our senators and all those that, that are in authority above us, and our country, we cry out that you will accomplish your purposes somehow through their chaos, through their wickedness, through their unbelief, that somehow you will um, work through all of that mess and redeem, restore. Pray that same prayer for our world. As we started this prayer, we declare our need for you, and it is great. Greatly that need to be praised in our midst. We honor you in all things today, and it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. As you're being seated, I want to invite our ushers to join me up here as we continue our worship through our giving. Thank you, Mackenzie, for that great testimony. And uh, I know there's more testimonies about God's faithfulness that hopefully we can share as the weeks unfold before us. Now we want to take time to bring our tithes and our offerings. So Jesus, thank you for the provision that is has come and that is coming. By faith, we bring our tithes and our offerings to you. Take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish its kingdom purposes with it. Build your church is what we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now as you can see, if you like do this digitally. We have digital options for our giving, but I want to invite our kids to come on up here. What a great opportunity you have to bring your offerings, the joyful giving bucket, and then you can follow Miss McKenzie out. She's got awesome stuff in store for you. Isn't it great having our kids in here with us? Just love it. I love it. For those of you that don't get to escape this room and are stuck with me this morning, I want to invite you to 1 Peter. You'll find 1 Peter just before 2 Peter. If that's helpful, yes. I knew you were going to need that help, Larry. 1 Peter. We, we have been um, journeying this year as best as we can uh, through this Rooted series, just trying to experience the breadth of, of Scripture, and we're 
We're, we're making our way towards the last few weeks of, of this sermon series. Just curiosity, has this sermon series been a help to you this year? Okay, to three people, good, I'm so, that's great, yeah. Uh, it's been a huge help to me to, to kind of pull the microscope back a little bit and kind of skip across the tops of these waters, but experience as much, as many of these books of the Bible as we can. And we, we look at First and Second Peter today. Um, Peter, of course, is the main or lead apostle. Um, and really, you need to re- understand that, that he was viewed as the church leader of the day. If you want to think like Pope or something like that, uh, he, he would have been the uh, the leader of the church in its early days up up until his death. When he writes these letters, um, they show up in the churches during a very turbulent, turbulent time. Nero is Caesar, and there was an awful fire, the great fire of Rome. You can Google that, and you can you can read up on that. There was a terrible fire that 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 went through Rome, uh, burned up like a third of Rome, okay? And it was widely believed and really understood that Nero himself was the one that started this fire. But when he was unable to uh, divert that negative attention towards himself, he needed to find a scapegoat. And so he said, well, no, 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 I, I didn't do it. Christians did it. And when he pointed the finger at Christians, persecution just began to unfold, and it was widespread, rampant, and it, and it was awful. And Peter's letters are written right in the, in the middle of this. So what, what you experience when you're reading 1 Peter in particular is he's, he's offering um, hope and, and strength, you know, stand your ground and 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 uh, God's presence will be with you. When you get into Second Peter, um, it's really interesting because it's it's pretty apocalyptic. He's talking about end time stuff, which really makes sense when you think about the context of the day. Because probably these believers were like, "There's Jesus has got to be coming back any moment." And then, but here we are, over two thousand years later, and we're still saying that, right? So that's that's the context of. First and Second Peter. Before we dig into our reading, though, I, I want to look at something in Second Peter. Just a, a couple of verses here, and the reason is is because, and it's a side note, but I think it's really helpful for us when, when we're digging into the New Testament in particular. When you drop yourself into like sixty-five, seventy A.D., which is which is where we're at when when these are written, you need to understand that the, the church did not have the New Testament as we know it now. In fact, the New Testament wasn't even put together until three about 325 A.D. So for the, for the first 300 years, when, when believers were coming together, when there was church gatherings, they didn't have New Testament scriptures put together, organized like we have. Now, they had the Old Testament, okay? They had 
They had the Old Testament, but but they didn't have Bibles in their laps like we do this morning. They didn't have access to Bibles on their iPhones like we do now. And so even the Old Testament scriptures were were contained inside of the synagogues. Well, there comes a point where Christians are put out of the synagogues. So what do they have access to scripture-wise? Either it's by memory, right? Or they have these letters that are starting to circulate, these letters that, that Paul has written or that Peter has written, the letter, letters that, that, that James has. So these letters and, and these gospels, and, they're, and they're, they're getting copies of those perhaps. But are they scripture? When, when Paul writes in 1 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful and helpful for instruction and, and rebuke, and when, when he's saying that, is he talking about his own words? I mean, is he, is he so arrogant that as he's writing that verse down, he's actually thinking of himself? No, of course not, right? He's, re- he's referring to Old Testament. But here's what's fascinating. Here's what, what Peter has to say, even about Paul's writings. And that's why I, I want to read this. I think it's 15 and 16. So he says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, and they're still hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Look look at what he says. He's, he's, he's putting Paul's letters right there with the other scriptures. My point is this. Almost right from the get-go, the church, filled with the Holy Spirit, as they're experiencing these letters, they're experiencing through the Holy Spirit, these, these are, this is Scripture, this is Holy Scripture. And it's not that it was Paul's intent that that, or, or that he would have any kind of arrogance along the lines to think of himself that way. But almost right from the beginning, the church has embraced the letters as scripture. So when we read 1 Timothy it says all scripture is God breathed, even though Paul's intent was or what he was thinking of was Old Testament as the church is receiving these letters and this theology and this explanation that that Paul and Peter and and these others bring it's they're receiving it as scripture. So by the time 325 AD happens and the Council of Nicaea gets together, it's already this common understanding, common knowledge in the church. These things are scripture. I just I, I think that's amazing. I, I think it's really profound that Peter writes these words because really what it does is it opens the door and gives permission. Again, he is the lead authority on earth when it comes to the church. So when Peter, out of Peter's mouth or through his pen, says Paul's writings are are right there along with Scripture, it gives them permission to receive it that way and view it that way and drink it in that way. Profound stuff there. Okay, that's the sidebar. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to just start the reading right at verse 1. Therefore, 
Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You're to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And another verse says this, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. You see, those unbelievers, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, so Peter is using some interesting uh, interesting word picture here, and it's it's the temple. When he when he writes this, the temple is is still standing, and the temple is still functioning. Although I can't really imagine what temple worship would would be like at this point, because the spirit of God has released Himself from that presence. Remember that when but before Jesus died on the cross. You have the temple curtain. You have the Holy of Holies. Behind the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant, the dwelling place of God. This was his dwelling place. But when Jesus says it is finished, that temple curtain is torn in two, and the, and the Spirit of God is released from that Holy of Holies place. A matter of a few weeks later, the Spirit of God comes upon the believers. Acts chapter 2. Spirit of God comes upon the believers, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and this becomes the dwelling place of the Almighty now. Those who believed in Jesus, our body becomes his temple. But the temple worship for the Jews was still functioning. And I, like I said, I can't really imagine what that would have been like because it's, it's pretty much just going through the motions. Because the Spirit of God has released himself from that space. But when Peter writes this letter to those of us who are believers, he's painting a very clear picture between the two. And he first starts out by saying, all right, there's this person, Jesus, and he is the cornerstone of this thing that's being built. He's the starting point of this thing that's being built. And those of you who believe in this cornerstone, you become living stones as well. So the cornerstone is a living stone, 
And then those of us who believe are living stones, and he's creating this whole new paradigm, this whole new temple. Yes, the, the, the main temple is still functioning, but the Spirit of God is dwelling over here in this other thing that's being created, this other thing that's, that's being developed, this other thing that's being built, this whole new temple. And it's not structural, it's people. Living stones. We think about this. It's still being built. It's still happening. We got over two thousand years of 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 history as as Christians that this thing, this this living temple is is being built, and you and I are a part of that. You are, a, you are a living stone inside of this structure. Now think backwards to the moment when you believed. Think back to the moment when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Who was the person that led you there? They were the stone that was already in place when you believed and, and, and you were added to this thing built on top of them. Who are the people that are believing because of you? Here you are. Who are, the, who are the people that are coming into belief that are being added as living stones in the thing and they're they're on top of you? This structure is still being fabricated. We are living stones in this which means that, that we're basically living witnesses. Right? Jesus said a, a couple things, a couple of instructions as, as he was on his way out, as he was about to ascend into heaven. He said, go and make disciples, didn't he? Right? But he also said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, here we are. We're the ends of the earth. I know we feel like we're the center of the earth, but really, scripturally speaking, we're the ends of the earth here. Functioning inside of this living stone temple thing that's, that's being built. Why? Because there was people before us who were carrying out the mission of being witnesses. Witnesses to what they experienced. Witnesses to the grace and the mercy that came into their lives when they believed because somebody handed it down to them and that happened because somebody handed it down to them and it goes all the way back to this cornerstone, Jesus, the cornerstone. First generation apostles who started building this thing out. Why? Because they were simply passing on this message, this thing that they they witnessed with their eyes things that they saw, that they, that they heard. They couldn't help but share the good news. They could not help but go out and tell people about the truth of Messiah, who Jesus was and what he did. And as person after person after person and generation after generation believe this thing has been getting built, here we are. 2,000 years later, a part of this huge thing called the church. Still 
still functioning as living stones. How will we pass this on? And to whom will we pass this on to? We're, you and I now are the carriers of this message. The relayers of this message. We're the functioning living stones now. Who, who will be stacked on top of us? And it's, when you think about it this way, suddenly like the, the responsibility kind of starts getting big, doesn't it? But you, and this is, this is why he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The, roi- the royal priesthood, well, what, was, what was the priesthood? They were, they were these people functioning inside of, of the temple, uh, accomplishing temple worship things. Well, the, this, that old priesthood is, is now almost defunct, right? I mean, what, what they're doing is, is no longer really making a difference. And he's saying, now us, it's the, that responsibility has is, is on us now. Jesus has started this whole new thing. And as receivers of the message, we're now carriers of the message. And as carriers of the message, we're now responsible for it. We are the royal priesthood now. A holy nation. that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, once you weren't a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, and now you have received mercy. This is phenomenal writing, and it's, and it's, it's radical. It's, it, it, it had to have been so radical for, for these new believers to, to receive this letter, to begin, begin going through this letter for the first time, and they're peeking out the door, and they're looking over here at this temple that's still functioning, and they're, and they're reading here, wow, that's, it's defunct now. And, and this, this shift has happened. And they've, they've felt it. They've been experiencing it. They've, they've, they've been seeing this amazing stuff. They know that God is, is doing something here. And then they receive this word from the leader of the church. It's you now. It's you now. You are the royal priesthood now. Yeah, that's Jews and Gentiles alike. You're the royal priesthood now. What will you do with it? And thanks be to God, they continue to pass it on. They continue to pass it on. Even in those 300 years where, where, where they didn't have official New Testament scripture, that they, 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 just, they knew because they had the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. They, they knew that what they were reading and what they were understanding in, in this whole new parent, that it, that it was of God. Regardless of the persecution that was going to come against them, and believe me, it did. 
It would just be soon after that Peter wrote these, the, the second letter that he would be crucified. And at the moment of his crucifixion, he said, I, I cannot hang on this cross like Jesus did, so put me upside down. And that's how he died. Men and women were facing things that you and I have never faced, okay, and and likely won't. We probably won't in our lifetime face the things that they faced. But they ran into these things with with courage and with conviction and with with a faith that I can only hope to have. They they longed for persecution. It's it's bizarre. I, I know I've told you this before. The first couple of generations, first 200 years of, of believers, they hoped and longed for suffering for Jesus. They were excited about experiencing getting arrested and imprisoned and tortured and, and, and possibly killed for the name of Jesus. They hoped for that. And, you know, here we are. On this side, with our westernized mindsets, and we're like, Jesus, please don't let me have a hard day. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, come on. We're so far removed from that mentality. It, 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 we're so Americanized and insulated from, okay, and that's, that's our reality, and it, it is what it is. When you drop yourself into this time frame, into this mindset and you hear Peter say you are now it the the living stones the living stone is the cornerstone and now you because you believe you become a living stone as well one of the things that we instituted as a local church here we call RE23 a discipleship ministry that is has been functioning since springtime. One-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three discipleship. It's it's something that's been in place, and quite a quite a number of us are already involved. Sixty or seventy names involved in this ministry so far. Because Jesus told us to go and make disciples, and, and we want to be in the business of, foundationally speaking, we want to be in the business of making disciples. Not just converts, but disciples, helping people to grow in their faith, helping people to learn what it means to be a living stone, and then how to pass that on to become disciplers themselves. If you're not involved in RE23 yet, and RE23 simply means this, the re part is is rethink and and revolutionize the way we think about discipleship. The 23 just comes out of the verse where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be. If you're not in a discipleship relationship with someone at this point, whether you're being discipled or you are discipling someone else, I really want to encourage you to move into that or begin to figure out how you can get involved, get connected into that. Larry, will you just raise your hand, just wave. 
He's the overseer of this ministry and the, and the, the point person that you want to go to. Of course, you, you can come talk to me as well, but I'm just going to pass you on to Larry. So um, we, we, we want everybody, our goal is 100% participation, that everybody is somehow involved in discipling, whether they're growing and being discipled, discipling somebody else, or even the perfect scenario is that both is happening. Both, both is happening. The both are happening for me, okay? I'm being discipled. I've got two or three guys that are discipling me, and then I'm discipling four right now. So, it, you know, so it's, it's something that we want everyone to participate in. This is foundational stuff, just Christianity. Today, I want to roll out a, a, a vision that's going to stack on top of this one. And it's called Vision 5. And there's, there's three layers to this, three layers of five that, that are, are tied to this. And it's going to carry us to Easter and, and even beyond Easter. But Easter is sort of our, our destination point here. And you're like, Easter? We haven't even had Christmas yet. I get it. But I don't want to just let Easter happen. I want to make Easter happen. And I'm really intent on this. And, and, and I, this, this is essentially going to be our evangelism strategy, our evangelism vision as we're heading into Easter. Three, la- three layers of fives. Let me start with the biggest one, 500. I'm praying for and believing for 500 people to be here Easter Sunday morning. I'm not talking about Easter egg hunt on Saturday, and I'm not talking about our Seder meal on Friday. Easter Sunday morning here in this room or in this building because uh, we'll have kids up the ramp as well. 500 people that morning. So there's a lot of strategy that's going to be tied to that. We're going to have two services that morning. Um, a lot of logistical issues that are tied to that. But fi- 500 people here worshiping God and hearing the truth of the gospel Easter Sunday morning. If if we had 95% attendance just from our church family alone, we're already at about 300. And you're looking around, you're like, there ain't 300 people here. Well, that's right. Because on any given Sunday, we have about 50% attendance. That's just the norm around here, kind of the Colorado norm, right? We have three, about 300 people that call us home. If we start strategizing now, and we get 95 to even 100% of our just our regular folks to actually be here Easter Sunday, we've already hit 300. And we haven't included just random drop-ins from Easter. But a key part of this strategy is going to be each one of us praying about who do we know that needs to be. Who's next? Who do, who do I know? Here I am. Who do I know that needs Jesus? Neighbor, coworker, family member. The grocery lady, the banker, I don't know. Who do I know that isn't a part of this thing yet that I could add? All I got to do is is bring them here. All I got to do is figure out a way to get them get them here Easter Sunday because because Pastor Brian's committed to 
to bringing as clear of a gospel presentation as he possibly can. So really, all I got to do is 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 get them in the doors and they'll and they'll hear. They'll experience God's presence and they'll and, and they'll hear presentation of the gospel. Then you realize that if if only 50 percent of us participated in that, that's another 150. You can see we can get to 500 a lot faster. That's not a huge number when you start really looking at it. 500 people here Easter Sunday morning. The next tier of five is 50. Between today and Easter Sunday, I'm praying for and believing for 50 people to come to know Jesus. 50. 50 new converts, 50 people to believe in Jesus, 50 people to be added to this thing. And so the third tier is five. We're going to need five new small groups for the purpose of discipling the 50 people that are going to come to know the Lord. Because we weren't called to go and make converts, but to make disciples. And so we want to be ready for our infrastructure, for our small group ministries. 550-500, Vision 5. Just rolling it out. We've got four teams of people right now that are working on all the different strategies, all the different logistical things um, that we need to figure out. We're trying to answer every question that we can answer, trying to get our get our minds around what this looks like but i already know that for this to unfold the the foundational thing that has to be in place is prayer we 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 have to be a people of prayer and and bathing this space and the ministries that are tied to this space bathing our people in prayer which is the main strategy I want to talk to us about this morning. A few things that we're going to implement. We're going to have two 24-hour prayer vigils. One is going to happen in November. It's Friday and Saturday, November 12th and the 13th. Please correct me if I just said those dates right. It should be Friday the 12th and Saturday the 13th probably going to be 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. And it doesn't mean that I'm asking everybody here to pray for 24 straight hours, okay? That's not how we're setting this up. What I am asking for is that everybody will find one 30-minute window that they will participate in this prayer vigil. That one 30-minute segment, somewhere between 6 p.m. Friday all the way to 6 p.m. Saturday, you and or your family will come here and we'll have everything set up. And at somebody is going to, or a group of people will constantly be praying for 30-minute segments for 24 hours. We're going to do one in November, and we're going to do one in March just before Easter. Easter is April 12th, if you didn't know that. Second thing, beginning November, the first Sunday night of every month at 6 p.m., we're going to have an old-fashioned prayer meeting right here in this room. First Sunday night of every month for one hour. Now, I realize that there are some small groups 
that are functioning at that time. I'm not expecting the small groups to disband for that, but I'll let you decide, okay? I'm okay either way. So I'm not trying to step on small groups' time. But the fact is, small groups are happening all week long, so there just isn't a time where I would pick. So Sunday night, 6 p.m., first Sunday night of every month, old-fashioned prayer meeting right in here. Intercessory prayer and worship happening for one hour, first Sunday night of every month. That starts November, so that's like two, three Sundays from today. The third thing that's still being developed, but I, I want to bring you in the loop on it, at some point, fairly soon, and it might be after the holidays that we start this, but from 9.30 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, we're going to have prayer and intercessory prayer and worship happening in this room. There's still some logistical things that we're trying to figure out what that's going to look like, but it's going to be every week from 9.30 to 10, and, and it's just going to be a soaking environment, an environment where people can come in, and, and one of the reasons that we want to do this, not just for intercessory prayer, but we've, we've observed and we've come to realize when we come into this, come walking in at 10 o'clock or 5 after 10, and, and the things of, of the week are still, may, maybe even things of the, of the morning, family drama happening in the home before trying to get to church or whatever. And it's, it takes people 10, 15, 20 minutes to just, you know, un- unload that and get to a place where where they're ready to meet God. And by then, music is over and, and you know, it's sermon time. We want to create space and time that you can have the opportunity to, to get all that unloaded before 10 o'clock happens. But also that intercessory. When I say intercession, I want you to realize that the definition of that is, 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 is praying on behalf of. So if you're, if you're interceding on behalf of a lost friend, um, you're, you're praying for their salvation. If you're interceding on behalf of the Sunday morning service, you're, 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 you're interceding or you're, you're praying that God's spirit will move. Okay, that, that's what I mean by intercession or interceding. Stepping in in the gap on behalf of whatever it is that we're praying for or whoever it is that we're praying for. Prayer is the key. Prayer prayer is is the key for this whole Vision 5 thing to even get off the ground. Because it's let me tell you, it's not our tricks that are going to win 50 people to Christ. It's not our events that are going to win 50 people to Christ. It's the spirit of God. It's the, it's the kindness of, of our God that leads people to repentance. That's what scripture says. It's his kindness that leads. It's his kindness that led you to repentance. It's his grace and his mercy led you just like he will lead those that are going to come into belief because of what we're talking about here. Vision five. It's huge. Okay. Five fifty and five hundred. to imagine right now two services happening Easter Sunday morning in here both of them full visualize that Jesus 
this whole thing is about you. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about, it's not even about Wiggin Life Center. It's, it's about you. It's about your kingdom. It's, it's about this kingdom that has been getting built. As soon as believers started believing in you, Jesus, the cornerstone, soon as other believers started becoming living stones because of their belief in you, this thing was being built. And numbers were being added to this thing daily. And here we are over 2,000 years later, and the numbers are unbelievable. We don't even know how many people are a part of your kingdom. But we know that there's more to come. There's, there's more people that you want to win into your kingdom. There's more people that you want to believe in you because of our testimony, because of, because of us being witnesses, simply just bearing witness to who you are and what you have done, what you have done in our lives. Our, our testimonies are profound and powerful. Because our testimonies are about you, your grace and your your mercy and your forgiveness and your your compassion and your love and your and your healing power and all the attributes of who you are poured into us and and you want to pour that stuff through us. That's what it means to be a living stone. A living stone. There's, it's 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 happening now. You want it to happen. Now, so we begin to intercede on behalf of this vision, this these this these people, the people that will be sitting in this room on April the twelfth, the children that will be in this building. On April the 12th, hearing the truth of the gospel of Jesus, praying that their hearts and their minds will be ready to hear it and receive it and be transformed by that news, the good news. Praying for the people between now and April 12th that will come to know you, whether it's through our our relationship with them, opportunity for us to bear witness, to share our testimonies. Maybe maybe there will be people in this room that will actually lead people to, to salvation outside of what happens here on a Sunday morning. Because we're simply your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece. We're your eyes and your ears. And we need to begin to see people your way, the way you see them. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, right now that you will begin to put on our hearts, begin to show us who it is that you want us to begin to develop a relationship with. We've got plenty of time. Speak to us.
begin to minister to you. I'm praying for five people in our church family that you will put a call on their heart to to lead a small group for discipling new believers. That maybe even as you're speaking to them now, they're, they're thinking, no, I'm not qualified for that. It's okay. They don't have to be right now. You're looking for those that are available. You will make them able. you want to accomplish in in Woodland Park, in Keller County, El Paso County, Paul County, wherever these people are coming from, you and your family. Would you obey Jesus? So we place it at your feet. Make us into a people of prayer over the next five to six months. And we, we, we find ourselves pouring out our hearts on behalf of the hurting and the lost and the, and the broken. Even thinking of not just people who haven't believed in you for salvation yet, but there are a number of people in our communities who maybe have accepted you as Savior at some point in their life, but they have walked away. They have, for whatever reason, been led astray, turned their back, regressed, bounced out of the church. Maybe maybe they're harboring things against the church because of things they've experienced. And, and there's roadblocks, there's barriers. At the name of Jesus, I'm asking now that you begin to remove those barriers, begin to just demolish those hindrances, those roadblocks, and begin to create a path of healing and restoration and breakthrough. And we are your people, called by your name. We are the living stones, functioning people to not just bear fruit, not even just bear more fruit, but bear much fruit for your kingdom. And it's in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Easter's coming, but we'll have Christmas first, okay? I'm excited. This is this is significant stuff. I'm excited about what God's going to do in you and through you through this time. Would you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you. And you all look hungry, so I'm going to send you to lunch. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May his countenance come upon you. May he fill you with his peace and his power. Have an amazing week walking in his spirit this week.